What a blessing. When we were driving home last uh, Sunday after the service, uh, we were talking and said, what are we going to do? We had heard about the uh, vote that would come last Sunday night. Said, how are we going to respond if the church invites us to uh, come and, and, uh, and, and lead as a pastor for this, uh, for this next uh, season as, as we continue to look for the permanent pastor and and we're just praying and say, you know, uh, we come to love y'all. Y- y'all are amazing. You know that. Yes? You really, really are. And don't let anyone tell you anything else. You are an amazing family of faith here. And, and we are just convinced that God has given this church an extraordinary potential for being a tremendous force for his kingdom uh, in this world. And still, we were keenly aware of uh, some of the difficulties that could lie ahead, and also because of, of difficulties that have been in the past. And so we simply asked the Lord to, to kind of give us clarity on this. You know, what, how should that be? And we said, Lord, uh, may it be that, uh, that if we're to do this, it comes uh, like a call from the church with something that is just... A unanimous vote, for, for lack of a better uh, way, way of saying it. Something that comes with clarity like that. We were not sure whether that was even uh, an issue, but, um, but here it came. Just like that uh, in the evening when, when Ray and, and Mike Park called us and we, we, uh, we prayed. And, and so I want to invite all of us, friends. You might be sitting at home as well. And thinking, can I find my way back? The answer to that is yes. Even if you are so accustomed to worshiping in your jamas, we will have a rope. You know, people can show up in a rope. It's okay. We just want you here, right? We want to see uh, God do his work right here in our midst. Can, can we stand in affirmation and say, we want to see God do his work of unity in this place? Paul writes to two different churches, one with which he struggled, another one that he loved more than any other church. And he says pretty much the same. Just uh, uh, be, a, uh, be well and say, I'm just going to read one verse from the first uh, letter to the Corinthians and one verse from the letter to, to the Philippians. And Paul says to the Corinthians, he said, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, and there be no divisions among you, and that you be united in the same understanding and in the same conviction. And then to the church in, in Philippi, he says it like this. If there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation in love, any fellowship with the Spirit, any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking in the same way. Have the same purpose, the same love, united in spirit, intent on doing God's will. That's what that is about. Is that who we want to be? Yes. Yes? So that when someone goes through a very difficult time, they're not thinking, I'm not quite ready to come 
back to church yet. But thinking, I need to be at church. Because that's where I find warmth and love and acceptance and friends and encouragement and so on. Yes, that's who we want to be. Can we just all pray and say, Lord, we ask that the very words that come from Paul's heart to these two very different churches become the heart cry of us right here. That we can stand before you and say, we heard the words from your holy book, spoken by your spirit to our hearts. And we want to make that the reality in our hearts and in our midst. Thank you, God, for pouring out your spirit, even during this time of Advent, that we may see your powerful hand right here. Amen. Amen. If you have uh, brought your Bibles, or if you can read from the screen if you did not, if you would turn to, to uh, the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, I'll get there in, in just a short, in just a short moment. Um, I want to talk to you, uh, a little bit, not, as we heard, giving the story a new twist. But maybe have you reflect on this same incredible story in a new, maybe different kind of way. <clears throat> you know, we, we all have, uh, you know, some kind of a manger scene set up, uh, at home and, and, and there are all these different people, uh, and some animals around the, the manger. And, uh, have you ever stopped to think? I wonder what was going on in their minds. What if we look at it through their perspective? It would, the story would look quite different if you ask one of the magis or ask one of the shepherds or asked Joseph or, or Mary. So I want to speak to us uh, this morning uh, somewhat from the perspective of Mary. As a young woman encountering God's empowering and life-changing presence. In a very real sense, she's in this story as a symbol of you and me, as a symbol of the church even, as the one representing redeemed humanity, people who had met the powerful message from God. And so, seven words of Advent, words from Mary's lips, words that speak to all the human emotions, all the human reactions that come as God encounter us with the great message and with the powerful messenger that he has sent to us. So let's read from chapter 1 in the Gospel of Luke. And I'll begin uh, already in verse 26 with the announcement. This is the third Sunday of Advent. And I invite you to do Advent reflection. And by the end, I hope we see how important this is to not move too quickly to Christmas. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth 
to a virgin engaged to be to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the six months for her uh, who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. I don't know if you have noticed this, but the very first word we hear from this young woman's lips as the first Advent word spoken, if you will, is a word of objection. Look at verse 34 again if you have your Bibles right there. The angels were sent to Mary with a very specific word from God, and she objects to it. The very first response is that, and think about this for a moment. How often is that not the case when we hear kind of a, a, an encounter with God or a word from God that we know will change everything? In our lives, the way we have normally reacted, the places we normally gone, the people we have normally be with, everything will change. And so she objects. And you know, there's there's not there's not really much that is so different from our response in that, is there? Just try to think through it a little bit. How is she supposed to respond? What's he going to say to Joseph? Joseph, I know we're engaged. We're in this period of betrothal, and, and it won't be long until we get married. But I'm just going to tell you, I just got pregnant. And it's not like what you think it is. It was by God. And Joseph goes, yeah, right. <laughs> or what about her family, her parents, her friends? You know, maybe that's where the fear of being canceled even began, right? What are they going to say? They're all going to kind of exclude her from their... What kind of woman is that after all? This is not always easy, right? When suddenly you come to say, there's been a miracle from God that it touched my life. Everything is going to change. And friends, family, everybody 
looks at you in a different way. And so objections somewhat come naturally. And so how will we respond to this? Right? You say, well, yeah, she should know better. And, and, and surely she was a woman of, of great understanding and wisdom. We saw last Sunday uh, when we read her song that she sang uh, after this announcement that she was certainly one who knew Scripture like very few young teenagers will know Scripture. And she knew that there were people that God had met in a special way with a very special message. There was an Abraham that God had come to when he was sitting at the meadows of Mamre and he had spoken to him and said, through you a son will be born and through your loins the whole world will be blessed. And he became the father of faith. She knew about Moses and God had come to him and, and spoken to him through a burning bush and, and said, you will be the one who will lead my people out of captivity and into the promised land. She knew about Gideon, that, that God has sent his angel and, and come to him and said, yeah, I know you're under, under the pressure and under the captivity of the Midians, but, but I'm going to call you to lead you out. She knew that the spe- specific times, special people, God could do that. But that he would reach out to her and have be that kind of powerful in his conversation with her was beyond what she has ever dreamt possible. And friends, there's some of us that are there, is there not? That, that we hear about other people. We hear of even biblical stories. We know these things. And we're not quite ready when God reaches out to you, to me, to us, and says, I want to use you to be the one or the ones who brings out the message of God's coming to earth. It's a human thing to bring objections. But, but, but notice here how quickly that turns. And we have to kind of ask that question right after she did that. Her objections turn into submissal. It turns into to, to a surrender completely to what God is all about. And you wonder, what happened? Did the angel come with that kind of powerful arguments? No, not really. The angel does not go in and, and try to argue with Mary. The angel simply present her with the power of God. God will do that for him. Nothing is impossible. And that brings her from that point of objection to a point of complete surrender and devotion and commitment. And look at it right here when you look at verse 38. You say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. And that's how it often works, is it not? 
We may object at first and then we see the power of God and, and we have to come to that moment and we don't always know what that will entail, but it can be painful. Surrendering your life to God can be painful at times. And she felt that clearly when, when Jesus later on was speaking to a group of, of people that came to listen and, and they were on the outside and couldn't get into him and someone gave him the message that, that your mother and your brothers are, are there outside. And, and he just said, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And it pierced the heart of this woman who had carried this man under her breast. Or when she stood on that hill of Golgotha and, and she saw her son hanging right there on that cross and blood was dripping and, and she, he spoke some words to her saying, this man, my beloved disciple who stand next to you will now be your son. And it penetrated every bone and marrow in, in her heart and life and body. And she felt filled with pain. The moment of surrender right here when she said, do to me according to your words. She had no idea what will follow. But she grew to understand what it meant to give that kind of surrender to Christ. So here, and friends, if you look at this, in that surrender, in that submission, if you will, we find her destiny. Her very identity was shaped by that. I read that and I'm thinking... What would shape my identity? Or to what extent can I say that my commitment to Christ really has impacted who I am? My very being, the way I think of myself, what I consider my identity. Is that my commitment to Christ or is that just an add-on? It's a powerful word as you see how this works uh, in this young teenage woman's life. The third word we hear from her is, is kind of a word of witness or testimony, if you will. In verse 39, look, she, she goes to see he goes to see her relative Elizabeth. And we don't know the words that she spoke as she got there, but we know the reaction that they had on Elizabeth. She recognized, Elizabeth did, that Mary had been with God, that she had met God in a very real way, and it made the baby in her womb leap, the Bible says, and she broke out with joy all over. And Mary, of course, there was something about her experience that she had met with God. She had objected, and, and then she had submitted, and then she had to tell. You can't have those kinds of experiences with God and stay silent about it. 
And that's not rocket science. It's always like that. I have never met a person that had a great experience in life, no matter what, without them telling about it. Sometimes they're more eager to tell me about the last movie they saw than about their encounter with God that week. That's a different story. But we got to tell. She had to tell. She couldn't keep it to herself. And that too, friends, is a natural flow. In the spiritual life, we, we encounter God and we might object and, and we surrender uh, to his calling. And then we got to tell. We got to have it come out in the testimony. That's the flow. And that hasn't changed from then to now. So we know that when we witness to others that that may be their reaction, even the flow of their reaction. We know that from our own lives. That's kind of how we also lived it out. When we meet with God afresh, it's the same thing. Maybe I wonder about this. And then we submit because we see his hand and then we got to talk to people about it. Are you seeing the flow? The next word we hear is she breaks out into a song and we dealt with that in length last Sunday. And if you didn't have chance to see it uh, or, or even be here, uh, find the church's website. You can just Google First Baptist Church of Louisville and you'll find it and it'll be right there. I'll encourage you to see the strength and the power of that uh, hymn also. If you see that right there, her song. Uh, begins in verse 46. So since we dealt with that, let me move on to, to, to the next word that we hear from her lips. It's about 12 years. It's about 12 years later. We don't know what happened. The kind of discussions that were there between her and Joseph and, and the two of them with Jesus. Um, the Bible is wonderfully silent about that, probably wisely so. But notice the word that comes here after this. That word that follows here, if you look in chapter 2, I'll begin to read in verse 41. It should come on your screen as well. Every year it says... His parents, that Jesus' parents, traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. After those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. Then they began to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. What's going on? Here's a word of frustration. 
a word of confusion, a word of bewilderment. And, and how is that also not exactly how our spiritual lives often go? Objections, yes, at times for that. Submission and surrender, absolutely we see that. We break out in joy and we have to speak about it, absolutely. But then comes times of frustration, confusion. Here's a word that just speaks to the reality of human life and emotion and experience. And see, there's just something about Jesus that's a paradox. It, it is somewhat confusing, right? So, so here's the reality of her situation. She knew about his, his divine birth, his divine conception, if you will. She, she knew that she had committed herself to that. She had heard also the Magi's and the shepherd speaking about this. She has even witnessed about it to other people. But now, how confusing is this? Right after she had told Jesus that your father and I had looked for you, he says, didn't you know I'll be in my father's house? See, this is important, friends, that we don't miss this. The bafflement, the wonder, the paradoxical grandeur, if you will, of who it is that we meet in this story of Advent. Think about it just for a moment. Here's, here's glory and majesty found, born into Pure poverty. The God of the universe now found in one place and, and, and not just one place but in a manger. A feeding trough. Imagine that. That, that God now in the manger looking at the animals and the people that he ultimately himself has created. A little newborn. And were found in a small little town. In a little kind of an area called Judea. It was all occupied by Rome. Has no significance whatsoever. The empire that later on would be captured and conquered. By the very message of this little boy. The message of his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascending to glory by the right hand of God. And maybe most paradoxically at all, these little kind of newborn hands that were grasping for everything it could reach in that manger would one day be pierced by Roman steel. Nailed to a beam on a cross. No wonder she got baffled. No wonder sometimes we can get 
confused about what's really going on when we deal with the Son of God. Are you seeing this, friends? It is just like a flow of spiritual life right here. So, the last words we hear from her lips are not in the book of the letter of the Gospel of Luke, but in the Gospel of John. If you would turn to chapter 2, I'll, I'll read the first five verses right here. Chapter 2 of the Gospel of John, on the third day, a wedding that took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told him, they don't have any wine. What does that have to do with you and me, woman? Jesus said. My hour has not yet come. Do whatever he tells you. His mother told the servants. Look at that next word of Advent. As you reflect deep on the meaning of this, look here. What do we have? We have a word of prayer, a word of petition. Notice that that she is not going to the servants to say, figure this out. She's not going to the host of the party and said, you got to fix. She goes to Jesus. Her understanding had grown in who he is and what this is all about. She now brought a word of prayer. In these 18 years or so that had passed between that event in the temple and now, She had seen Jesus grow. She may have seen him sit there with the scrolls and read in the prophets uh, about himself, so to speak. She may have heard him had conversations with the rabbi in in Nazareth. She, She may even have noticed the day when he got up, walked south to go to the River Jordan. Maybe she followed him. Maybe she looked at him when he stepped into that water. And as the Bible says, the the heavens were ripped open and God spoke and said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. And it changed her. The transformation from confusion and bewilderment to faith and prayer. And so... She came to him with that prayer. I'm going to ask you where where you are on all this. Have you moved that way? That is the flow, friends, of of the spiritual life. But it doesn't end even there. It, It goes on. And it becomes the last word we hear from her is that word of faith. It ends with this most powerful, powerful statement. When she says to them, whatever he says, do that. Don't miss this. I read these stories and I've read them so many times, but the reflection every time finds another level of depth. Do not miss that message. Of Advent, everything about the Advent message is wrapped up in this one phrase. Do whatever he says.
to do. If, if there's a crowning word from Jesus on the cross when he says it is finished, this is her crowning word. Do whatever he says. I want to just wrap this up with one statement about the importance of Advent. You see it all in these seven somewhat words. Mary exemplifies that for her. That young woman exemplifies that for her. She's not some kind of superwoman, a super Christian even for that matter. But through her objections and and, and through her uh, experiences, her, her commitment, her expressions of joy, her, her songs of, of love for the Lord, through her frustrations, even through her prayers, she comes to that point where she can say, do whatever he says. Everything is wrapped up in this. That is the sum and the substance of it all. Can we hear this, friends, as individuals? Can we hear this as a church? Don't rush to Christmas through the celebration. Spend this time reflecting on the depth the spiritual life, even as that is expressed through Mary. Some of you are sitting at home or wherever you might be, and you wonder about this yourself. Give us a call. Come here next Sunday. Anytime, we'd love to talk to you, pray with you. If you don't know what it is we're talking about, if you have not had that experience with God Almighty through his son, Jesus Christ, we'd love to talk to you about it. Same is true here. Some say, I've got to have a fellowship to be in where I really can grow in this understanding. I, I may be on step one or step two of where Mary was, but I'm not where she ended, at least not yet. Let's stand, friends. We're going to have this altar open here. If you're at home, you can kneel precisely where you are. Call us for any questions you might have. Some of you want to grab someone's hand and just come forward here. We need, friends, to meet with God in that way. Be on that trajectory of spiritual growth and maturity. Father, would you do your work in our hearts? Would you speak to us as individuals and to all of us as a church? May this Advent reflection sing into the bones and the marrows of our bodies, into the depths of our hearts and our minds and our thinking. In your name we pray, even now. Amen.